morning, Chillicothe Bible Church. Uh, if you are a young person and you are involved in Children's Church and you would like to uh, slide off to that, uh, you're welcome to do so. Um, we're going to be in the book of Psalms, chapter 19. Psalm 19 is what we're looking at today. Uh, I uh, am delighted to be back with you uh, in the pulpit this week. I was actually home last week, but uh, still a zombie. You can ask my family. Um, being uh, 11 and a half hours different time-wise uh, that I had been living on, then coming home was uh, interesting uh, because uh, my days and nights were completely upside down. And so, um, so and I finally started to sleep at the right time of day, which is good. You know, it's always a Always a good thing. Proverbs says that uh, those whom the Lord loves, He gives rest. <laughs> right? And uh, I agree with that. But uh, we're going to be in uh, Psalm 19, um, verses 7 to 14, uh, as, part of, as part of a series that I'm calling Back to Basics. Uh, if you flip over uh, to the back of your bulletin, you'll see at the top of your outline there a little diagram about the obedient Christian life. And you'll see that if you are a Christian who wants to follow Jesus, there are some basic components to the Christian life. Uh, number one, you put Christ at the center of your life and following Him and pursuing Him as the goal and the purpose and the direction of your life. And then uh, you need to also encapsulate as part of having Christ at the center of your life be obedient to him, to actually do what he says. Uh, Jesus says, the one who, who obeys me is the one who loves me, right? Uh, he who hears my word and does them, he is the one who loves me, right? And so uh, it's not enough to simply uh, admire Jesus, like Jesus, uh, think that Jesus is a, a good person or, or even that he is God, but there's a, a life of obedience to him that is part of the Christian life. Amen? And then there are four aspects of the Christian life, four basic, uh, four basic ways of living life that fit into that. Uh, there's a vertical dimension to your life, a life with God, and then a horizontal dimension to your life. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at all four of those spokes of the wheel, if you will. Uh, the first one is the Word, uh, and part of how we relate to God is through His Word. Through His Word, He speaks to us. And uh, next week, we'll look at prayer, how uh, through prayer, we speak to Him. And this is part of uh, kind of the, some people call it spiritual breathing, you know, the inhale, the Word, and we exhale our prayers uh, to God, and you have to have both, otherwise you suffocate in your spiritual life, amen? So, um, so let's, uh, let's do pray, and then we'll look at the Word together. God, our Heavenly Father, uh, we thank You that You are so kind to us, that You are so merciful, that You uh, not only sent Your Son to die on the cross for us in fulfillment of manifold promises, but you also desire to be in relationship with us. Uh, that through your Son, uh, through the, the, 
the sacrifice of his blood and through his resurrection and ascension, you have brought us near to you and into relationship with you. Father, we pray that we might grow in our love for you, that uh, the things of this earth, as the hymn writer said, would grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and your grace. And Father, we, uh, we pray this morning as we open your word that you would use your word to speak to our hearts and to change our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are uh, in Psalm 19. Uh, I'm, I'm going to skip the first six verses, uh, not because they are not important, but because uh, they don't deal with the, the subject that we are talking about today, but they're great verses. Uh, the first six verses talk about how God reveals Himself through His creation. And in the splendor of His creation, we see the glory of God. If you have, uh, one of the things I love about deer hunting, uh, apart from the, the actual harvest of the animal and putting meat in the freezer and that kind of thing, is I love being out in the early morning. And it's, it's, it's early and it's quiet. I mean, there's not even any birds singing. And you're sitting in the tree stand and then all of a sudden it, you start to get this gray light and then it gets lighter and lighter and then all of a sudden the sun appears and the birds begin to sing and the woods wakes up and nothing in the living world is aware that you're even there and you can just sit and observe all that is happening around you. And it's a very worshipful experience, actually, as you, as you see God's creation in all of its beauty uh, being slowly revealed to you as the sun penetrates the woods. It's really amazing. And the first six verses of Psalm 19 are about that, but we're not going to deal with them today. Uh, we're going to look first at how the Word blesses our lives. Uh, in verses 7 through 11, we see that. We see the Word's blessing in our lives. Um, and we want to look at that. So if you've got your Bible open, uh, I want you to uh, look first at verse 7. We're going to read all the way down to verse 11. And the Word of God says this, The law of the Lord is perfect reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Now, these are just five short verses uh, containing five synonyms for the Scripture and nine specific blessings that we receive from God through His Word as we live out our lives in reverent obedience to its author. And each one of them serves to point us to a reason why we should treasure and study and obey uh, God's Word because we don't want to miss out on receiving any of these blessings. Amen? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, 
I, I always want more blessing from God in my life. I don't want to get to the end of it and go, and go you know, uh, God, I could have used more blessings. And, and, and God said, well, you know, there were a lot more available if you had just looked for them. They were found in my word among other places. They were available to you. You just never took advantage of receiving them. And I don't want any of us to miss out on these blessings that are present from God's Word. So, verse 7 highlights the fact that God's law and His testimony are perfect and sure. Uh, the word perfect there, that's translated perfect in verse 7, is also translated blameless elsewhere in the chapter. And the idea is, is that there is nothing corrupted or tainted by sin about God's Word. And because of that, His Word has power to give life to our souls. Now think about that for a second. How many people all over the world uh, have come to faith in the living God simply by reading the Scripture? Simply by reading it. And coming to the conviction, this is true. And I will give my life for the God who speaks these words to me. The number must surely be in the millions down throughout history and across nations and across languages. In fact, you know, you think about how many times you go to a hotel and you open up the drawer and there's a, there's a Gideon Bible in there, right? And you think about how many hundreds of thousands of people have come to faith in Christ by taking that Bible out of there and going, I wonder if there's anything good in here, and reading it. Because God's Word gives life to people. The Spirit of God uses the Gospel message from the Word of God delivered by the people of God to save people. If you think about how how other people come to Christ, that's exactly the way, right? What do we do? We take words from this book and deliver them to people. And they give life. The gospel is more than simply the message about Jesus dying on the cross and being raised from the dead to give us new life, but it is never less than that message. And that message gives life. It's amazing. Uh, in addition, verse 7, we see that God's Word is sure and that it makes wise the simple. Now, the word simple in the, your Bible is not, uh, is not a necessarily meant to be a pejorative term. It is a, a word not for people who are hostile to the Scripture, but people who just are ignorant, who don't know any better. Uh, if you if you are a kid, you know you uh, you don't know a whole bunch of things, right? I mean, think about how many of our kids, when they were little, uh, tried to touch the stove, right? And you smack their hand, to, you know, to, don't touch that. And they try and reach out for, and you smack their hand, don't touch that, right? Or they try and stick a screwdriver in a light socket because it fits, right? Um, 
And uh, you had you, you if you if you let them succeed in that, you can tell them later that they're grounded. But um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, dad jokes I know. But um, but they're simple. They don't understand. They don't know any better. They don't know any better than to do that, right? And but God's word is capable of making wise those who don't know any better, a better way of living. You know, the thing is, is that I honestly believe in my natural, normal state, apart from Christ, I believe that I can figure things out pretty much on my own, right? This is why, this is why men don't read instructions when they come in a package, right? Because we believe that we are smart enough to figure it out right? I'm not stupid. I can figure this out, right? And a lot of us, both men and women, go through life exactly that way. We, we figure that, well, since I graduated from high school or I got out of college and now I have some letters I can you know, put after my name or whatever, that, that I am smart enough to, to handle adult life. I can figure this out on my own and I do not need anyone to tell me what to do. Right? And we go through life that way. And then we find out that life is a lot more complicated than we thought. And we bloody our toes on a number of things, right? And all of a sudden we realize, you know, this is dumb. I, I've been wandering around in the dark for entirely too long. And then we meet Christ and we, and we start reading His Word and we find out there's a new way to live life that turns the lights on for us so we can see where the stuff we've been running into is. And we go, wow, this is amazing. Because the Word of God makes wise the simple. How many of us came to Christ because we got tired of living life on our own? A whole bunch of us, right? Because the, because the way we were trying to do it doesn't turn out to be all that wise. And when we live life the way that God designs it, it turns out to go a lot better. Verse 8 tells us that God's Word gives us precepts that are right. And the blessing that comes from following them is that your heart rejoices. Your heart rejoices when you follow them. Now, let me ask you this question. How much guilt and shame does sin produce in us? A lot. A whole bunch. Right? How many of us, if we were asked to think about our biggest regret in life, would not have to think very long or very hard to come up with? I mean, we might have to try to think hard on which was the biggest moment of regret. Right? Well, let me show you if I can narrow it down, Pastor. Uh, you know, I've got a list of some things, right? But in contrast to that, is there really joy in following and obeying Christ? You bet there is. There really is. There is freedom and joy and your burdens are lifted. Even when your circumstances are not great, there's still joy that you experience in life. We also see verse 8 that 
God's commandments are pure. And the blessing that comes from them is enlightening our eyes. Uh, let me ask you this by way of a question. Uh, have you ever known anybody that lives in a way that just crushes their soul? You know what you notice about them? They have dead eyes. They just look hollow on the inside. It just deadens their soul and their eyes are dead. They look lifeless. They're they're up and breathing, but that's about all you can say for the way that their life is responding, is interacting with the life they're living, right? And how many of us have had, as Christians, people tell us, you know, there's something different about you. And I don't know what it is exactly, but there's something different about you. And then you use that as an opportunity to explain to them what the difference is, right? You know what the difference is? When you obey God's Word, you don't have to compromise your conscience. And when you live in a way that is pure, it makes your eyes shine with joy. Where you don't have to hang your head or be worried that somebody is going to find out something about you that you just assume they didn't. Right? It doesn't deaden your soul. It doesn't deaden your eyes. Instead, it gives you joy that radiates out that people can see on your face. Verse 9 highlights the fear of the Lord and the righteousness of His rules. The fear of the Lord is one of the most frequent ways that the Bible describes the life of a person who obediently follows God's Word. That if they obediently follow God's Word, they are a person who fears the Lord. And the effect of doing that is that it purifies your life because His rules are completely true and righteous. There is nothing in this book that is going to in any way lead you into error or into sin. If you follow it, if you obey it, if you listen to it, if you put it into practice. Look at verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Is that true? When you, are, when you are a lost person, do you know what reading God's Word is like? It is like, let me give you an example. It is like Nicolas Cage and his buddies at the end of National Treasure. When they're at the end, you know, and they're way down in the bottom underneath in the basement down below the old North Church in Boston, which, by the way, that doesn't really exist. The church does, but the basement's totally made up, Hollywood. Okay. But, um, but remember, they're down there and they think they've been left for dead and they've been abandoned by, by, by the bad guys to die in this hole, right? And they break through this wall and they light a torch and all of a sudden the entire room is lit with treasures. 
The library of Alexandria is there and every golden object down through history is amassed in this room and they just stand there and they go, oh, right? And they cannot believe uh, what they have stumbled upon. And the three of them take 1% of the wealth of the room and they each buy themselves a magnificent estate and a Ferrari. Right? <laughs> um, when you are a lost person and you discover God's Word and how it speaks into your life and how God through His Word is able to change the way you are living and to give joy and purpose and meaning and delight to your life, it is like that. It is much better than much fine gold because you realize you have discovered the treasure of life. You have discovered a reason to go on breathing. And it's a much better reason than anything else that the world offers. And a relationship with God. And they are sweeter than honey. I don't know if you if you have ever had this experience, but I have occasionally had this experience where I'm just, I don't know, tired or bored or frustrated or whatever, and I just don't want to read my Bible today. Right? And then I open my Bible anyway. And the Word leaps off the page. And it is sweet to my soul. And it's amazing every time. And I find myself kicking myself going, why did you not want to read, you fool? Right? And yet, there it is. There's the Word in all of its beauty, all of its sweetness, all of its nourishment to my soul. Every bit of it is just exactly what the psalmist describes. And it feeds my hungry soul with things I didn't know I needed. Verse 11 gives us the last of these great blessings from God's Word. From His Word, we get both warning and reward. Great reward. The warnings of God's Word are meant to keep us from the consequences of our own sin and from the discipline by God that they bring into our lives. And the great reward comes when we're obedient. Over and over and over and over again, the Bible promises us that God will lavish eternal rewards on those who follow Him. Those who are faithful. You remember when we looked at the book of Revelation in the first three chapters, in the letters to the seven churches? How does each one of those letters close out? With a promise of reward, a specific reward. Uh, he who overcomes, I will give to eat from the hidden manna. He who overcomes, I will give a white stone to wear around his neck engraved with a name that is known but to him and to God. He who overcomes, I will give a, I will give a white robe to wear. He who overcomes, I will give this. He who overcomes, I will do this and do this and do this, right? I will make him a pillar in the temple of God. I will make it so he never has to leave from the presence of God. I will do all these things, Right? great reward is promised to us. And there are also warnings. 
that are given to us in Scripture. Don't do this. That just, that, just like the, that just like we tell our kids, don't touch the hot stove because we love them and we want to protect them, God gives us warnings too. The reality is a lot of people think of God and His commands uh, not to do things as if God is the cosmic killjoy, right? Like He is, he is the enthroned fun sucker of all the universe, Right? And he just doesn't want anybody to have a good time. And that's why he tells you, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, uh, especially don't do that, and stop doing that, and so forth, right? But that is not why God gives us those commands not to do certain things. It is because he is trying to save us from the consequences and the pain and the shame and the guilt that comes from doing those things. And I can tell you story after story after story after story of people that I have known and loved who have violated one of those commands and have had a banquet of consequences they have had to sit up to afterwards. And they say to, my, to me and to other people, I wish I had not done what God said not to do. And you can probably tell similar stories from your own life as well as I could from mine. There is re- great reward. And you don't have to wait till eternity to get some of it. There's a whole bunch of it available now. But there's also warnings. Stay away from this. It will hurt you. It might look really, really good. But you know what? Last time I went fishing, the thing with the hook buried in it looked really, really good to the fish. And Satan works exactly the same way. He hides the hook in something that looks great. And we don't realize it until we're flopping on the end of the line what we have swallowed. There's great reward and beautiful warnings in the Scripture that are given for our blessing. And the Word of God helps us walk righteously with God. Verses 12 to 14. Look at these here with me again. Uh, Verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Uh, Verse 12 begins with a rhetorical question. Who can discern his errors? The implied answer is no one. Nobody. Because it is a very hard thing to stand downwind of yourself and catch the odor that is being given off. Amen? Whenever I come home from overseas... One of the first things I do when I hit the door after I kiss my wife is go throw all of my clothes into the washing machine and go take a shower, right? Because why? Because you don't realize how bad you stink after you've been on this plane for 18 hours, right? And on top of that, you've been living in a culture in which everything smells bad. Everything. There's... there's 
there's open sewage running down the street, you know, and you, you just kind of absorb the odor of the environment that you're in. And so I always go take a shower, right? And you don't realize that you stink because you've been living in your stink for a while. And you have olfactory fatigue, right? And so, um, and, and so the psalmist is asking that kind of question. Who can, who can understand his own sinfulness? Nobody. But the Word of God confronts us and it shows us our errors and our sins very clearly. And what you see in the rest of verse 12 through the end of verse 14 is the psalmist's prayer in response to what the Word of God has done in his life, to seeing his own errors and sins. You know, here in, uh, in the rest of verse 12, we see his plea to be declared innocent from hidden sins. He's saying, Lord, I, I read your Word and I didn't even realize all of the sins that I was guilty of. Declare me innocent for the things I didn't even know I was doing wrong. I wasn't intentional in what I was doing, but I was screwing up and I didn't even know it. Declare me innocent of that, Lord. He's confessing those. And then he, in verse 13, he asked for God's help in, in overcoming and resisting presumptuous sins. He says, let them not have dominion. Let them not rule over me. You know what presumptuous sins are? Presumptuous sins are the, the sins where you knew it was wrong and you did it anyway. It's what is called uh, in the Old Testament, sin with a high hand. Or sin where you presumed on God's grace. Where you said, well, I know that God is probably not going to take my life for doing this, and so I'm doing it. That's a presumptuous sin. And you don't, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but anybody ever done that? <laughs> yes, right? We all have done that. We all probably have a list of those that we have done. And the psalmist is right to pray this way, to say... Lord, keep me, help me stay back from the things that I want to do even though I know that they violate Your Word. And help, the, help me to not have those sins rule over me. I want You to rule over me, Lord. I don't want my sin to rule over me. And then, verse 14. This is, this is one of my favorite verses in all of Psalms. Psalms 19.14 Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in Your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Right? It's a concluding prayer to all that has gone before where he's saying, God, I've confessed the sins I wanted to do and the sins I didn't know I was doing. And I want my heart to be clean. And I want the things that come out of my heart to be clean. 
Let every part of me be clean and in alignment with the standards of your word. He wants to be completely pleasing to the Lord in every part of his life. And this psalm points us to its own application. The because the Word of God gives us manifold blessings, and through the intake of it, we're not only blessed, we're driven to seek the Lord in prayer for His help in living by it, just like He did. It holds up a mirror to our souls and reveals to us what is there, and it humbles us and causes us to cry out to God for the righteousness we so desperately need and naturally lack. And in light of that, I want us to ask us all to respond to two very important questions. First one is this. In light of the blessings that God's Word offers to me, what am I doing with it? In light of the blessings that God's Word offers to me, what am I doing with it? You know, one of the great stories of uh, church history is how during the Middle Ages, the Roman Catholic Church held the Word of God away from people. Literally chained it to the pulpit and kept it behind a screen where people could not get access to it and forbid it to be translated into the language that people could read. And when guys did translate it into a language that people could read, they were persecuted and in some cases executed. Uh, when there was a, a famous man named John Wycliffe who translated it into English, and uh, he got it done before he died and then died shortly thereafter. And the, the church of his day dug up his body, burned it, and threw his ashes in the river. Because they couldn't get to him fast enough. And we, as the people of God in 2020, have God's Word in our hands because of the sacrifice of men like that. And we, on top of that, have the ability to receive from it these manifold blessings that Psalmist describes. So what are you doing with it? Are you hungry every day for a word from God? Do you treasure it and study it and meditate on it and memorize it and suck it into your soul like it is water and you are a man in the desert? Because if you really believe that God's Word blesses your life in all of these ways, that's exactly what you would do. Amen? And if you don't do that, then can I suggest to you that it is because you are so confident in your own ability to navigate life on your own. But you know what? I can testify for a long time on the results that come from living life by my wisdom. And they are not good. <laughs> they are not good. Okay? In fact, if you want to look at like, if you've ever, if you've ever been to a, a military base and seen like the, the tank training range, that's what my life looks like. <laughs> when, you know, just big craters everywhere. 
<laughs> of everything I've tried to do by my own education and smarts, right? I need God's Word to direct my life. I need to receive the blessings of God's Word every single moment of every day. And I would suggest to you that you do as well. And so I pray that we will cultivate a hunger and a thirst for God's Word. Because it's essential. It's basic to our Christian life to have God speak to us and for us to listen to what He has to say. Second question, when the Word shows me my reflection, what do I do with what I see? What do I do with what I see? You know, our kids are all grown up now, and they don't need our help getting dressed, at least most days, right? Um, but, but when they were smaller, sometimes there would be outfits that would come out of the room, and we would go, did you get dressed in the dark? <laughs> right? And we would be confused, right? And we were like, you might want to go look in the mirror and see and make some adjustments, right? When the mirror of God's Word shines up against your life, do you make any adjustments? Really make adjustments? Because a lot of us like to hear what God's Word has to say, right? Doing it is something sometimes a lot tougher. I want the Lord to cleanse me of hidden sins and help me resist the things that I know are sins. And I want all the thoughts of my heart and mind and all the words of my mouth to be acceptable in the sight of God who is my rock and my redeemer. Amen? And I think that's what you want also. And in order for that to happen, we have to not only hear God's word, we have to do it. So, why don't we do this? Why don't we bow together and together ask God for His help, His grace, in helping us to respond rightly to His Word and to cultivating a hunger for it that we really need. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, too often we are hungry for the the things that delight our eyes and hearts that are from the world rather than from Your Word. And too often we are not hungry enough to hear Your voice speak to us. Oh, Father, I pray that You would help us to cultivate and to, uh, to, to fertilize and water and to pull the weeds out from our desire for the Word in our lives. Father, help us to hunger and thirst for it like starving and thirsty people because that's what we are. We are starving and thirsting people who don't know it many times and don't know that Your Word would satisfy all of our hunger and, and quench all of our thirst. So, Father, I pray You'd give us a hunger and thirst for the Word that we recognize and that we respond to. And Father, further I, pr I pray that You would 
by your grace, help us to respond with obedience to what the mirror of your word shows us. Help us to make corrections uh, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.